Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is June 24th. I am Dave Gasper, joined by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Plenty to talk about this week as brews prepare for reopening day. And we'll have you covered here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Joining us for our discussion this week is BJ DeGroot, co-host of BJ and the Bear, Mornings on the Score in Appleton and Oshkosh. BJ, how you doing, man? Good. Glad, uh, glad to be back once again, uh, this time from a much more professional setting than before, which I'm a little bit disappointed because I can't have a, uh, a nice cold brew with you guys here in studio. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Missing out on the theme. That's fine. <laughs> I, I think we all might need a, might need a cold brew after a Bucks game one uh, mm-hmm. the other day there. Yeah, I'm surprised you went that direction, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, it is it is kind of fresh, and you know, people do watch that as well. It's not only Brewers, but that is true. I think we'll, I, I think the Bucks and Bucks fans will be just fine. I, I have a feeling yeah. things will be just fine. Just relax. I yeah. I I agree. However, I just with everything that happened last night, I think the most frustrating part was letting Connaughton take that. Very important shot towards the end. You've got a big three, and Pat gets the shot. That was the part that I had a bone to pick last night. Otherwise, I feel the same way. I'd rather have Pat Connaughton take a three than Giannis. I, I will say that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah but fair. also, yeah. But also, um, sad to think about. Maybe need a beer over over the loss of Daniel Vogelbach. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big loss for the Brewers uh, this past week. Uh, suffering a very ugly-looking hamstring injury, running around third, trying to get to home. But he scored. He limped his way there somehow, and Arizona just kind of let him score. That was the craziest thing of all time. Um, BJ, when, when you were watching that play and you saw Vogelbach just kind of stop and then end up just trying to limp his way home, what was going through your head, man? Well, it sure looked like he blew a ham hock right away, so you knew that was bad. <laughs> And then it was, oh, that's right. They're playing the Diamondbacks, who are atrocious in the field. Um, he's actually going to score here. And I can't remember who was catch- who was catching at the time for the Diamondbacks. But he is he is screaming, asking for the ball as Vogelbach is limping his way towards home plate. And um, lo and behold, no throw and and you score the run. But it just it, it anything good. I feel like that we see from a win-loss perspective on the field for the crew night in and night out is is mitigated by injuries, right? You're you're waiting for uh, who's going to go down this game or who's going to go down that game and um, having to shuffle things around. So it's hard to be positive. I, I like to stay positive. It was a four and three road trip, but the injury list continues to stack up. And I just wonder how many more this team can actually sustain. It's ridiculous this year. Every time we think we're getting a little bit better, we get Colton Wong off the injured list. We get Tyrone Taylor off the injured list. And then Daniel Vogelback replaces him just as fast as he comes back uh, in Taylor. So it's, yeah, I just, I've never seen anything like this. I get that we're coming off this COVID season and we expected there to be a lot of injuries, but this is just unreal what's happening to the Brewers. Um, as for that Vogelback play, I, I couldn't believe that their excuse after the game was, well, we don't practice someone pulling a blame halfway down the line 
It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Who cares if you practiced it? You had time to take a 30-minute nap at second base, get back up and still throw the guy out at home, and you just stood there with the ball. Like, what What a ridiculous Like, man, excuse. we're talking about practice. Not the game. <laughs> practice. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that that was really kind of a, a lame excuse by Nick Ahmed uh, on that. I mean, it's Dan Vogelback. He's six foot, two hundred and seventy pounds. If you could catch anyone in the middle of running the bases, it would be him. And they ju- they just had no idea what was going on. Um, and it was, you know, it was great to see Vogelback just kind of hop his way in a, on one leg, but. You know, at the same time, I mean, he goes down with what Craig Council calls a significant hamstring strain. Uh, I don't believe they've released a full like timeline for when they expect him back. But for something like that, for a significant strain, I would expect at least a month um, that he will be out, especially for a big guy like him getting his you know legs back underneath him. Um, that may that may take a little while and be a little bit more difficult. And I mean, Volkback over the last month. He's had an OPS plus of 110. I mean, he's actually been uh, really productive at the plate filling in at first base. Yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise because, look, what have we said for the most part all season long? There there seem to be pretty gigantic holes at first and third base. And knowing that this team, prior to his injury, had decided to, to send Keston Hira down to see if he can get right Again, in the minors, um, you knew it was his job at least until what appeared to be the all-star break where, or the trade deadline um, where you figured this team would go out and, and try to find a, a little bit more of a long-term solution. But you pointed to the numbers. He's been more than serviceable at first, uh, and I think they, they probably uh, would have rolled the dice um, and maybe addressed that third base position uh, over, over the first base position. But... Again, injuries throw a wrinkle into things, and now we get our third look at Keston Hira, who I don't know if you're going to go down this route at some point today, um, David, but I, I don't know what, what they're doing with this kid right now. Yeah, that, that's something we're, um, gonna, we can get into right here. Because when, when they called him back up, because now Keston Hira is back up, take the first base shot, because they don't really have any other options. They, they don't have anything else on the first base first base depth chart. I mean, you got Zach Green, who's striking out at a 40% clip down in AAA. Um, you, you got really kind of nothing else down there. So you got to go with Hira, but it's much sooner than they would have been, than they, they would have liked to call him up. Um, and, and you risk possibly making things worse. Now, uh, he did make some improvements this time around. When he went down to AAA the first time, Hero struck out 13 times in 38 plate appearances. That, that's a 34.2% strikeout rate. This time, when he went down, he struck out 13 times in 51 plate appearances. So he cut his strikeout rate down to 25.5%. So that's still somewhat high, um, but that's much more manageable uh, for the Brewers if he can be striking out a 25% clip instead of a 35% clip. And as long as he's making contact there in, in the middle of the zone when he sh- where he should be making contact. Um, but, you know, th- this might be too soon for him still. Uh, we know they would have liked to have him down longer. But, you know, now at first base, you you got to roll with Keston Hira. And it might have been too soon. And, you know, BJ, do, do you think it was too soon for him? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was too soon. I just... 
I mean, this is already the third time he's he's been up now, um, mm-hmm. and then gone down, and then been so it's back and forth. And look, you know he's got to love being at the big league level and the things that go along with that, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. prestige to it certainly, but I got to imagine there's stress as well uh, associated with it when you when you're not producing and you're not performing and you're and I'm sure you're hearing about it uh, as well. So. I don't know if it was too soon because it's out of necessity, but I, I just I, I, sometimes I wonder what the plan was. And, and the plan was let's let's be honest, the plan was flipped on its head when this team decided to go after Colton Wong. All right. And then now you mm-hmm. had to figure out what you wanted to do um, with Keston Hira. And look, there were struggles that were real last year and uh, two years ago at the very end of the season. Um that I think we're starting to to pop up and go, all right, maybe there maybe it isn't all roses here with Keston, who burst onto the scene. So I go back to how they handled Corbin Burns originally. I wasn't a huge fan of, of pulling the pulling the trigger and sending him back down as quickly as they did there. Um but again, when you're at the big league level, it's that fine line. We we don't have a whole lot of patience here. Uh, we're trying to win ball games, we're trying to win a a, a central division title. We we can't sit around and wait. Um but look, their hand is forced here, so we're going to see Keston here. We're going to see Keston, a lot of Keston here uh, until they figure out what they want to do at first. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, they have no choice based off of the injuries and based off of what uh, David had mentioned earlier, the absolute lack of, of depth at the first base position. In a perfect world, yeah, I, in both situations, you would have liked to keep him down there longer. I think they called him back the first time because he had started to show a little bit of signs of life, but the offense was struggling as much as it struggled at any point in the year. So they brought him back to see if he could maybe give it a little jolt. That obviously didn't happen. The second time down, they want to keep him there longer because, well, now the offense is starting to pick up. He's doing well in the minors. Let's just keep things the way they are because it's successful in the moment. And then Vogelback goes down and boom, another wrench in the plans. Um, so you really have no choice here. Um, you, I, I also agree with what you were saying earlier. I think first base obviously now is much more of a focus going into the trade deadline, but we're still a little far out from that to where, you know, you might not see a move immediately, um, but they definitely, I bet those talks are escalating at this point. Um, would have been really nice if, uh, you know, a player like Billy McKinney uh, hadn't just stopped hitting all of a sudden because that was a left-handed bat that knew how to play first base and would have been great to slot in there. But uh, alas, he is over in New York now. So, yeah, it's Keston Hira or bust right now. Yeah, man, and that's something I, I kind of want to uh, mention there with the deadline. I mean, first of all, I mean, when Keston came back, he did say he, things are starting to feel normal again. Um, so that's that's good. Perhaps it's a positive sign here. Um, and in his first at-bat in Arizona, he did hit a deep fly ball to to center field. That would have been a home run in 24 out of 30 ballparks. Um, but uh, just kind of ended up falling short in Arizona. Uh, but when it comes to the trade deadline, I, in some ways, I think this might actually help the Brewers. And, and let, let me explain that for a second. Because, I mean, w- with what the original plan was, you're going to have Volga back probably until around the All-Star break. And then probably call up Hira after that. And then you'd probably need another week or two with Keston here at the big league level to decide whether or not he's 
he's fully back. Whether or not he's hitting, whether or not you can stick with him the rest of the year, if he's fully back to normal. You'd need a week or two there um, before you go and make any sort of trade. And that would take you to just right about the, the trade deadline, just kind of the final few days there. But now he's he's called up here in late June. You can give him the you know one, two weeks. You can give him until the All-Star break or whatever. Um, and if you realize by then, okay, he doesn't have it going, uh, you don't really have time to send him back down, get that extended stint, and call him back up. So in that way, if if you realize he's not it, Volgaback is still hurt, you can make the move for a first baseman at the deadline much earlier in the month of July rather than waiting till the end and perhaps you know some of the options have already been traded. So then you can get your pick of the litter of you know a CJ Crone, a Jesus Aguilar perhaps, a Trey Mancini. Uh, they could go in, in any one of those directions and they could go a little bit earlier um, since they had to go with Keston Hira a little bit earlier if Keston Hira struggles again. If Keston Hira picks it back up, great, fine, not a need. But if he doesn't, now they just know earlier and, and can make pivots and, and make plans and, and make moves earlier on in the month of July rather than waiting till the end. I think the Brewers are in a little bit of a difficult spot with this as well, though, because if you knew Keston Hero wasn't part of your picture long term, you'd have to imagine based on the deal they have with Wong, Luis Urias being good to go. And if I'm sure at this point they figure, look, based on on his bat and probably more importantly, um, his glove in the field, it doesn't appear Keston here is going to be a long-term first baseman. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I wonder if he would be part of a trade chip, but if your depth is so um, for back of, lack of a better term, screwed at first, you're, you're almost, you almost have to keep him as a last, a last chance um, or a last ditch effort to sure up first base. So I wonder even if, if that's the case, would he be part of a deal going forward too? Uh, I mean, right now his value is as low as it's ever been. Sure. I mean, he, like he came up, he was a hot shot hitting prospect. You know, he was being asked for, and you know, the trades for uh, Chris or Chris Archer and you know wh- whatever other big name guys you could think of, they were asking for Keston Hira. And now you'd be lucky to get a bullpen arm or two for Keston Hira. I mean, it's. It, it's bad how, how much his value's fallen. Teams might try to buy low. I'm sure teams would love to take him, but they're not going to give up much of anything for him. And Stearns doesn't seem like the the type of guy to to sell low on um, one of his guys, especially someone like Keston Hero, who they've really kind of invested heavily in and, and they believe a lot in. And another thing to come with that, too, is there's the expectation that the designated hitter will arrive in the National League in the next CBA next year. So if the DH comes in, then you can keep Keston Hira as long as he, you know, starts hitting, and then you can just put him there and not have to worry about his defense at all. That's such a great point. I mean, you're crossing your fingers. Hopefully, it gets done, um, mm-hmm. and you're playing that wait and see approach with him. But yeah, that's the perfect spot. If and, and shoot, the Brewers could have used the DH in the National League for the last three, four years <laughs> with the <laughs> roster construction. If we're being honest. Yeah, if only they could have come to some sort of agreement, like, you know, previous to this season. Um, I get why they didn't because of negotiating and everything like that. But, man, would that have worked out well for us this year. Yeah, but, you know, Rob Manfred, 
just decided to be like, eh, you know, perhaps not. Speaking of Rob Manfred, the crackdown on sticky stuff has uh, come in this week. And according to Manfred, they have gone, quote, very well. <laughs> Meanwhile, Max Scherzer is uh, throwing his glove and unbuckling his belt on the mound. And Sergio Romo is pulling down his pants uh, in the middle of the game. So that was fun. Uh, BJ, when, when you saw the uh, the Scherzer video of uh, Girardi, you know, having the umpires check him and uh, him throwing his, his equipment down on the field and, and just kind of getting all upset, uh, what was really kind of going through your head as you were watching that unfold? This is what I wanted from the start. I wanted it. <laughs> I thought it was going to take longer than two days for us to see it. But it is clearly an issue with pitchers. There are clearly issues with how they're regulating it. it there are clearly issues with uh, requests from managers. This was forced through, pushed through messily um, without having a clear-cut plan, in my opinion. Uh, surprise, surprise, when you mention Rob Manfred. Well, I think <laughs> I think one thing that stands out, and it, it's he's an, he's an older baseball guy, but I trust him because he knows the game. Uh, Paul Wagner joins us in, in the mornings on Wednesdays, and he opened up, because we opened up with um, what we saw on Tuesday, and he said... And referred to Rob Manfred as a as a clown leading Major League Baseball. Um, to me, that says a lot. Um, I don't know what's going on with with his decision making, but it, it clearly is is lacking uh, a plan. It's clearly lacking a, a purpose. I think it's a it was pushed through very quickly and very messily. And um, he's having this. Can you what what game was he watching where it says it, oh this is going really well. What, what, yeah. what planet is he watching baseball from? I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I think he was referring to, it was like, oh, well, we didn't catch anybody, so things were going well. But, dude, you got you to gotta read the room. And then, what, to make matters worse, like, MLB on Twitter teased, like, oh, big things coming with, like, this picture of baseball on the moon and, and like, whatever else. And then you got this whole, um, you know, Scherzer what whatever thing that follows afterwards and baseball Twitter is just completely blowing up about it, how it's embarrassing and it's a clown show for the game. And then, you know, the next day, Oh, this big thing coming. Hey, we've started a cryptocurrency exchange. It's like, what, what are you guys doing? Base like baseball is dealing with baseball is embarrassing itself right now with the Max Scherzer incident with pitchers getting hurt with the sticky stuff with the lack of offense with, you know, all this other stuff going on, and you're starting a cryptocurrency exchange? Like, read the room, guys. Seriously, like, like they are so bad at reading the room and understanding what fans want and what the game actually needs. It, it's mind-boggling. That's exactly what I was going to say. Has there ever been a sport that has been worse it actually addressing what fans want and what their complaints are than Major League Baseball, especially headed by Rob Manfred. It's and, and, they, and they claim to be like, you know, making all these moves like for growing the game and, and for the fans. Yes, because apparently uh, what fans want is for the average length of a baseball game to drop from three hours and 15 minutes to three hours and 14 minutes or something. Uh, so let's in institute all those types of rules and not fix the problem that, you know, half of baseball fans can't actually watch baseball due to blackout rules or due to streaming services not carrying 
certain channels. Um, let's leave the man on second base rule that almost everyone hates. Let, let's do those types of things and, and and introduce, like you said, cryptocurrency, which w- why? Just why? There's going to be patches on umpires' uniforms about cryptocurrencies. Oh, like, what? Great. Great. Let's that, feature the umps even more. That's just what baseball needed. Yeah, let's feature the umps even more than they try and feature themselves in the game. <laughs> uh, so, um, speaking of the, the crackdowns, Freddie Peralta was sort of a victim, sort of not, as the umpires took his glove before his before his last start down there in Arizona uh, it was a it was a dark navy blue glove, BJ. Um, why why is that getting taken from him? Well, again, uh, not not quite sure. Major League Baseball's <laughs> rules. Um, umpires seem to. I know we get this with officials uh, at all levels, um, and certain umpires and officials that decide to to pick on sock color or um, equipment that may not be. Uh, on or above the knees in football, things like that. Again, I I think you said it perfectly, David. Know, know the room. Um, mm-hmm. Was it really that big of a deal? I I read a little bit. Um, it sure looked like a darker color, but they, they kind of referred to it as gray as well, which apparently is too light. I I don't know. What Did this come from Arizona? Did they complain? Because then I can buy it, all right? If Arizona's like, look, the, the glove is too light or it it resembles the ball too much, whatever, fine, change the glove. But if this is an umpire seeking out Freddie Peralta just just to do that, to me, uh, it's causing an issue that, that really wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's entirely possible because the last time Arizona faced Freddie, uh, they didn't hit that well, so maybe they think changing the glove will help and maybe <laughs> some of the hitters complained about that. But then they changed the glove and Freddie Peralta threw, only gave up one hit. So, you know, it, maybe it's, maybe your team just sucks, Arizona. Like, like that's just it. And, and, BJ, I think you raise a good point there about, you know, some umpires just kind of, you know, picking on that type of stuff. I remember when I was playing in high school, um, in, in high school ball, you know, like, there's a rule, like, if you're, you know, like, pitching on the mound, like, you can't have, like, you know, a necklace or or anything like that. Um so one time, like I was like, but that was like only for like pitching, like only when you're on the mound. So I'm over at first base and I got the necklace on and all of a sudden, like in the middle of an at bat, the base ump is um, behind me. He's like, hey, like, you know, you can't have the, the you can't be wearing that. And I'm just like, what? Like, no, like that's that's just, and like you can't like argue with the umpire because then, then your coach yells at you. Um, so then he like stops the game and like calls like no pitch as the pitcher as my pitcher is pitching. So I can take off a necklace and put it in my pocket. Like, dude, like that's not the rule, but he just decided to enforce it on someone that the rule shouldn't be enforced on. I'm just picturing blinged out David Gasper playing baseball <laughs> at this point. Like you went a Cespedes style, just all the like, it, it wasn't that much, gold. but yeah, dude, sure. one time, one time in like a fall ball or whatever, like I was just kind of having some fun. Like, I was just kind of, you know, like, swagged out with, like, whatever else. I had, like, an actual pair of sunglasses I was wearing. Someone from the previous game left their sunglasses in the dugout, so I kind of took those. So I had those on top of my hat, plus the ones I was wearing, um, and, like, whatever else. And then, like, mid-inning, because um, I'm playing in the outfield there, mid-inning, we make a pitching change, and they call me in to pitch. So I come in, I'm like, okay, got to hand you these sunglasses, these sunglasses, got to hand you this, got to hand you... Like, I come in, I have to take off, like, four things just so I can come into pitch. 
Like it was, it was kind of ridiculous. Again, and going back to the necklace thing, as it having umpired, having refereed, that's a simple one for me. Hey, um, third baseman or wherever you were playing. Next thing, half inning in the dugout, just take the necklace off for me, right? You don't have to stop yeah. the game. You don't have to make a scene of it. It's very simple to, again, know the room. I'm I'm going to steal that one for, from you for a while now. Know the room. <laughs> just take care of it quietly. I don't know if you remember, um, was it back in 2017, Jerry Davis, former Wisconsin guy, major league umpire, ejected uh, Adrian Beltre because yes. he wasn't uh, – up in the batter circle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, Bel- and then, then, then he moved the on-deck circle, Matt. <laughs> yep. I miss Adrian Beltre. Right? But again, the dude's just warming up outside of the batting circle. Come on. Let- yeah. Again, know, know the room. This Here's your hashtag today. Know the room. Yeah. It's like, this is a future Hall of Famer, dude. Like, let it go. If it's a rookie, it's one thing to yell him to get over there. But to say it to Adrian Beltre, no. And then... Handle it. Handle it in the half inning. Adrian, can you warm up in the batter circle, please? Like, it's so yeah. simple. Ugh. Nope. It's all about the ump show these days, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolute worst. Um, all right. So we're, we're kind of uh, talking about uh, injuries before. I kind of want to get back to another big one that the Brewers suffered. Brett Anderson uh, left his start early with an injury, gave up a bunch of hits in a row. Uh, and then left with a uh, bone bruise, he called it, in his knee um, that he suffered when he was running to first to try to beat out a double play. Um, so, first of all, that, that's a little bit of a blow to the rotation um, as they try to stay healthy. So, it looks like Eric Lauer will take his place in the meantime. But also, now pitchers hitting, getting themselves hurt, and this is just kind of a trend. I mean, we, we saw it a lot in 2017. Brewers lost Jimmy Nelson for, you know, basically completely derailed his career because he, you know, was running on the bases. And now Brett Anderson gets hurt running on the bases. And, you know, it just kind of seems like a, a disaster waiting to happen. Now, we were talking about the, the um, DH possibly coming next year earlier. Uh, but now the Anderson injury um, also kind of thins out the rotation a little bit, BJ. Yeah, it sure does. And when you look at the numbers and the rotation, it's really been um... – what has gotten this team to nine games above 500? Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, even Adrian Hauser uh, with a 3.95 ERA. That's been respectable um, this year. It, it certainly thins out the rotation. I like Lauer, um, and I know he looked pretty good in his last start. He's the only lefty uh, outside of Anderson now that that'll be in that starting rotation. I'm I'm okay with Eric Lauer getting a, a few more starts here. I know they like having that sixth guy to stretch out that rotation, uh, but you're coming up on the all-star break, uh, which you're going to, you know, you're going to get a little bit of relief there um, after what's going to be a, such a long stretch here heading into the Rockies and then the Cubs series. So I, I, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, and again, this may be something um, when you start to look at the minor league system, I know they're trying to work Aaron Ashby into a reliever role, I think, for this stretch run. Um, I'd love to see him come in and start a few games for the crew, if, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, David Stearns hasn't, you know, ruled that out. I mean, they've kind of said, it's like, I mean, we're getting him some experience back there, but, you know, we're not going to rule out him starting at the front of games for us. Um, and that's something that, especially with Anderson's injury here, uh, could be a possibility. I mean, Anderson was also you know, somewhat struggling there too, even though his last time out, he had a really good start. Um, But 
that that's someone that really kind of I think will be up very soon um, and can impact this team in, in a lot of different ways. And that, that's going to be a, a big thing for them going forward. If they need a six starter, um, that that's where Ashby could come in. Or if they need a big arm out of the bullpen, that, that's where he could come in. So, you know, I think that's a really um, great spot for him. And I, I think we'll end up seeing him uh, pretty soon. Yeah, it's right on time, too, for him, not only for the rotation, um, but also the bullpen. Because as we've seen, the bullpen has not been um, quite as strong as it was last year. You've got Josh Hader doing just amazing historical things. Like It's been ridiculous to watch him this season and how dominant he's been. But outside of that, you've got your kind of like A-minus team in uh, Williams, who's, you know, he's been off and on. Um, Boxberger and Suter, and then past that, um, Jake Cousins. Let's just throw that out there, by the way. The other day, what a debut for him. Um, much better than the other Cousins we know on that other side of the border. <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't know exactly what he's going to look like going forward. Um, you've got a lot of names in the second half of that bullpen that um, have been questionable, and that's why. The Brewers bullpen has an ERA and a war, you know, in the bottom half of the league. Um, so could Ashby come up and bolster that a little bit, flip back and forth between that six man in the rotation and uh, the bullpen, which is where they've started prepping him for now down at AAA Nashville. Um, it, I, I think it'll be good. We saw he made some batters look silly in spring training. So we know he can pitch against those big leaguers. Um, hopefully that'll be a boost. Um, hopefully cousins will be a boost and, you know, just a couple extra pieces, whether they be via trade or we find someone, um, from AAA who can come help. Um, hopefully that'll be solidified a little bit going forward too. I think if you look at cousins too, if he can fill that role, JP Fireisen was so good, mm-hmm. uh, season for the Brewers before they ended up dealing him. Um, if he could slot into that role, there's, I mean, there's quite a bit of trust in that bullpen, in my opinion. Um, yes, you, you kind of don't know what you're going to get from Brent Suter uh, every outing other than a uh, quick pace of play. Um, he can have games where he shuts it down. A 372 is, I mean, the, the ERA uh, speaks for itself, but we've seen him have a few outings where he struggled. Brad Boxberger has been a welcome surprise this year. You figure the more work and the deeper we get into the season, I think Devin Williams is going to find that changeup even more. And and Matt, you pointed to Josh Hader. What's the and the big thing for me? You know, the numbers historically have been great, but remember the home run ball getting him. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. he's given up. He hasn't given up a home run this year. I think that's uh, an adjustment that he's made as well. I'm knocking so, on some wood over here. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but I feel I feel like there's a lot of trust for the most part in that bullpen. Um, and a perfect example is in that series uh, finale against the Diamondbacks. You talk about a A, B, and C plan as you draw it up from a pitching staff for Craig Council. Yeah, uh, Woodruff goes for seven. We give it to Devin for the eighth, and Hader slams the door in the ninth. That's how you draw it. That's a stress-free win, even though it was three to two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a situation that um, you'd really like to kind of see more often. And, and yeah, I mean, Woodruff kind of gave up a homer there at the end, and then Williams first pitch homer and um, it just kind of, yeah, got a little close and you'd like to see the offense score more, you know, that, that should, that would make it more of a, a stress-free win, you know, okay. Yeah. Give up two runs there total, but if you score five, not as much stress. Um, so that, that's something that'd be really nice to see. Also, uh, Miguel Sanchez had a pretty nice debut mm-hmm. as well. 
uh, in that bullpen, a scoreless eighth inning uh, down there in Arizona. So now you got two guys making their debuts, Jake Cousins, Miguel Sanchez, um, that are showcasing some pretty electric stuff, actually. I mean, they're, they're throwing pretty hard. They got a nasty breaking ball. Um, Cousins' slider is just wow. Um, that, that was really kind of beautiful to see. Then you got Justin Topa coming back in uh, another couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month or so. Um, and then, you know, you might have a, a pretty good group in that bullpen. And then obviously, you know, Ashby or someone coming in there. And I think that's a pretty electric group. I don't, I don't think they need a trade deadline acquisition out in that bullpen. If they can get Topa back to what they expect him to be and they call Ashby up, I think they might be fine back there. Yeah, as long as that everything works out exactly like you said. Um, but we've got limited kind of visibility out of these guys. It was just one outing for Sanchez, for Cousins. Um, so let's see if they keep it up going forward. Let's see if Ashby does um, adjust fine to the um, not just the move to the bullpen, but also the move to um, uh, more regular MLB competition. Um, and then, yeah, we, we really don't know what to expect from Topa coming back. I know we have these visions of how he was last year. Um, but that's a pretty big uh, long-term injury to come back from. So um, perfect world, yeah, we don't have to touch it, and um, we can then focus on you know that first base, third base, whatever situation um, that we so desperately need to to make sure the offense is good enough uh, going into the playoffs. So, um, but definitely uh, some positive things that we saw in Arizona. Yeah, and, and another um, potential bullpen addition down the line. Ethan Small, who had just been mm-hmm. promoted uh, to AAA here the other day. Uh, Ethan Small had a sub-2 ERA and eight starts in AA Biloxi. And friend of the podcast, Garrett Green, uh, was not too keen on our ideas <laughs> of promoting him uh, to AAA. Um, but unfortunately, Garrett, uh, we had to take him away from you and, and promote him up to AAA Nashville. And, I mean, he earned it, and and now he's getting his start here on Thursday night, his first start in AAA. Uh, so that'll be good to see. And then Small uh, is another one that, by the end of the year, uh, he could be up in this big league staff, BJ. Yeah, for sure. And you look at it, and you're one, you know, 2019, uh, he had that missed year. Uh, but he's clearly done the work, and you, you trust Garrett Green when when you see guys um, and recommendations from him. We've had the opportunity here in Appleton um, to talk with Chris Meering, who's the play-by-play voice. And you know, when we kick around and ask about names, um, I, I asked about Garrett Mitchell, and I said, "Hey, how long is he going to be here?" And he goes, "Man, I." I, I don't even start to speculate on that, but uh, you know he's got the stuff, right? It's the kind of thing that uh, the ball sounds different off of certain guys' bats. Uh, for Ethan Small, uh, it, things just look different for him when he's on the mound. Uh, you know he's got it. Uh, the elevation through the minor league system is certainly there, and I would not be surprised if and when. It, it's more of a when Ethan Small is going to be making his major league debu- debut. I think one of the things I like to see the most when he was at double a uh, were the adjustments he made to start kind of dominating there. Um, when in his first year of pro ball, when he came out in 2019, um, his strikeout to walk ratio through the roof, 31 strikeouts, a whopping four walks, um, something that showed that, yeah, he was going to yeah. escalate pretty quickly um, through minor league hitting. He starts off with Biloxi this year. He only goes three innings, gives up four runs in that first outing. A little rough, um, but he was giving up walks there at the beginning. Now in the month of June, 
he goes four outings, um, pitching more and more innings as he goes. So, you know, building up that endurance, he gave up eight whole walks in four games. So two walks a game um, was averaging about nine strikeouts per game on top of that. So he even that um, strikeout to walk ratio brought that control under control um, and started looking more like himself. So um, that's exactly why he was able to make that promotion. So um, he made the adjustments he needed to make, got stronger as the season went on. And um, yeah, one step closer to that big league dream. Yeah, and, and it's great to see great to see for, for Ethan Small. I mean, this was someone that I mean when they drafted him, I mean they they figured he could be a quick riser through the system uh, and really help out this team. And I mean Craig Council said back in spring training, it's like, you know, he's pitching, you know, like he's gonna be able to uh help us out at the big league level this year. And you know, that that's certainly the track that it's looking like he's on, um, whether it's the rotation or whether it's the the bullpen, you know, we'll see what the needs are at the time. Um, but yeah, he's doing extremely well. And from what Garrett Green told us, Ethan Smalls was succeeding mostly with just a fastball changeup combo. He wasn't mixing in his other pitches as much. Um, so that's really, I think, kind of a good sign that, that he was able to have that much success with just those pitches. And then when he mixes in uh, the curveball and the slider, uh, then he's just going to be even more dynamic and, and effective. Um, and you know, we'll see how much he brings it in there in AAA. Um, he probably will. Um, and, and then, you know, what he'll bring in there at the at the big league level whenever he arrives there. So, you know, it, it's it's just really kind of exciting to see for uh, Ethan Small uh, and, and how this pitching development has really kind of uh, been a strength for the Brewers, which is something that it hasn't been uh, for a long time in franchise history. So very good to see. Um, and all, what also is going to be very good to see is this coming weekend, full capacity at yeah. American Family Field. Reopening day, 100% capacity starting on Friday here. Uh, BJ, are, are, first of all, are you going to reopening day? And, and second of all, um, what, what are you really kind of looking forward to most with things getting fully 100% back? I'm branding it at more as reopening weekend um, because it reopens on on a Friday. You, you, you know you're just going to roll into uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and, and enjoy the entire weekend. So uh, it's good. It means things are progressing. And as we've seen across Major League Sports, um, not only in the state, but but nationwide, things are are trending in the right direction. Um, this is a, uh, an awesome sign. I thought it was a great job rebranding it by the Brewers and doing it the right way. Uh, fastball Freddy slinging drinks at the bar uh, as well. Looking <laughs> forward to that. Uh, so um, I am not in, in attendance. Uh, very hard to get out of the house for Brewers games right now with uh, a brand new newborn involved. Mm. So a uh, little, little tied up there. Much easier to, to take care of my Brewers uh, watching and analysis uh, on the couch at night trying to trying to get somebody to go to sleep. So uh, the plan is, though, um, it, once things uh, get settled down is to get down there and look there. Remember the, the chaos at the beginning of the season where you couldn't even tailgate. Mm-hmm. And now we're now we're talking about hundred percent capacity before July. Uh, things change quickly. And um, it's just, it, it's overall good feeling. I think um, in the state of Wisconsin, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's um, really, yeah, really awesome to see. And uh, I'll be um, down there and, um, 
you you can live vicariously through me um, being there at the <laughs> at the game. Um, I got I got my tickets to to reopening day as soon as they went up. I'm just like, oh my god, I, I got to go. Um, the racing sausages are going to be back on their normal course throughout, um, you know, down by home plate. Um, so hopefully uh, Randall Simon stays retired and we don't have another incident like that. Um, and, and yeah, the way section row and seat uh, for you for reopening day. Um, I'm going to be in section 219, row six. Perfect. Um, so I'll be I'll be right there on the loge level, right behind home plate, right in front of uh, Euchre and and BA and Rock and all those guys in the press box. So uh, they're they're pretty good seats. So I'm I'm excited for it. Um, going to be a lot of fun. Um, got nothing better to do on a Friday afternoon. So you know, might as well. Um, but yeah, so it's really exciting, and it's going to be Corbin Burns Day, which is even more exciting for me. Because I love Corbin Burns Day. Matt, you know better than anyone how much oh, I love yeah. Corbin Burns Day. Oh yeah. Do we do we see do we see a no hitter on reopening day? Finally. Oh, uh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Now you're getting my hopes up. Now <laughs> okay. you're getting my hopes up, man. Oh. Like it. it is the Rockies. I mean. Yeah, it, it is the Rockies. They're not in cores. Um, and, and this is I, I said at the beginning of the season. I said in my bold predictions: the Brewers will throw a no hitter this year. Instead, they've thrown like nine one hitters, and I'm just like, can can we just get it down one more hit, just one more? But not quite there yet. But hopefully, at at some point, at some point soon here, um, I would love to be able to be in attendance at, at a no hitter, um, especially a Corbin Burns no hitter. That 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 might be. I I could. I could die on the drive home and I'd still be happy. All right, here's a, <laughs> oh man, here's a question: Do we see do we see a no hitter for the Brewers this year first, or do we see a 20 strikeout game first? Ooh, I think it. I think I a no hitter first. 18. I was going I was going to go with 18 and and reference a Ben Sheets. But I feel like the staff, specifically Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, um, could touch 20 at some point in their career. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm totally with you. I think that they could. Um, with, with the way Council is with pitch counts, I'm not sure that he'd let them go for that many strikeouts unless they had like a no hitter or something like that going. Because I mean, by that point, you're probably pushing near a hundred some pitches, um, and you know, to get probably to the eighth or whatever that you probably need to get 20 strikeouts, I, I think he'd be, I think he'd pull them by then. Um, unless they had a no hitter going, because if they got a no no going, I think Council will let them out there, let them be out there as long as they have it. I, you're getting me all excited here. I had a schedule <laughs> open up, and uh, I, I'm not busy tomorrow. And I'm seeing StubHub's got tickets starting at ten bucks. Um, do it. I might, I might end up being there. I have actually. You should have, do no, it. That's right not now. true. The, the last cool. time I saw Corbin Burns pitch was in 2019. When things were not going well, I would love to see uh, Dude, you new do and improved Corbin Burns. All right, you that, 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 that clinches it, man. You got to do it. Go buy them right now. BJ and I will talk. You buy those tickets. Okay. I will, I will Venmo you the money to buy this ten dollar ticket, man. Okay, I, that, that's I, an I, offer you can't pass up. I, I, I'm good. Oh, and we got them right behind the plate. And the oh, okay. All right, I'm there. Okay. I'm there. No, don't worry about the Venmo. I got this. Okay. We're, uh, okay. David, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Sweet. Sounds good. <laughs> Is this a first in uh, Cold Brew Podcast history?
We did catch a game together earlier this year, actually. It was one of Freddie Peralta's dominant, dominant starts, and it was a win over the Cubs. So, yeah. I mean, that, how much better does it even get? But you oh, purchasing yeah. live on the podcast is um, – That is legendary. a first, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, is, that is for sure a first. Um, oh, but, so, oh, sorry oh, to jump on you, David. Go ahead. Um, from 2 to 2.30, this is where you need to pay attention. You have to make your way there early. Two to two thirty. Freddie Peralta slinging drinks at the first base yeah. board bar and field level concourse. Yeah, I am totally gonna have to go to that and, and see if I can get in line. I wonder if Freddie knows how to make a brandy old fashioned. Just like I kind of want to ask him just to see <laughs> the look on his face. You know? Yeah, boy. I, that, I I mean, that's not normally the type of drink I would get at a baseball game, but I just kind of. Like want to know if he's like doing like full bartending type stuff or if he's just got a beer tap that he's just pouring from. I think yeah, he's probably just slinging cans, cans of cans of beer. <laughs> in my opinion, if I'm the Brewers, I'm not having him mix anything. I'm not having him touch anything sharp. Here, here, just hand the cans to the yeah. uh, the fans and uh, just smile and 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 let the good vibes pile uh, pile in. Yeah, Freddie's got the smile and the good vibes aplenty. So that's. He can do that pretty pretty easily. Well, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, the, the guys on this team, Freddie Peralta, Lorenzo Cain, um, just some really great overall smiles on this club. You know, just a weird thing that I, that just kind of popped in my head right now. Anyways, <laughs> it's, clear, it's clear, clear no one's interested in talking no, about that. I'm trying to okay. figure out, you should ask him, what is the national drink of the Dominican Republic? Oh. oh, they drink coffee. You should throw that would be a good one. Catch them with uh something. I'm I'm just uh Coco Loco. It's a rum Coco drink. Loco. Yeah, Dominican Coco Loco. All right, I'll I'll, I'll have to look at look that up and uh see, see what that is. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I'm going down. <laughs> down. I didn't think we'd go today, huh? I don't know. I I've never had a Coco Loco. I'm I'm not a big coffee guy either. Banana mama. I'm I'm just go, you can move on. You're you're deep down the rabbit hole over there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it, it'll be good to see um baseball um, back at 100% um with, with the capacity and um, get this get this Brewers team going. And they're in first place right now. Um, I know a lot of people you know are complaining complaining about the offense, complaining about whatever else. But the Brewers are in first place. You know, they're, they're – I mean, the the Cardinals are the surprising team that's kind of fallen by the wayside right now. But they've also lost Jack Flaherty. They lost a couple of guys in their rotation. The Cubs are hanging around. But, I mean, there seems to be a lot of stress uh, building around the Cubs and, you know, a lot of kind of struggles with them and things really kind of don't seem to be going right there. And, and talk of the Cubs possibly selling off the deadline, even though that they're right in it. So far, right now, Matt, do you got the tickets? I my my problem why I've been so silent is because I've been locked out of my account and trying to get it <laughs> reopened here. <laughs> We're good now. We're about halfway there. Okay. There's your update. All right. So BJ, what what are your thoughts on the on the Cubs and the and the Cardinals really just kind of you know doing what they're doing and the Brewers still being in, in first place right now despite all the struggles that they've had. Yeah, it's been perfect timing, at least for the Brewers and the Cubs, to to drop games. It feels like 
uh, on similar dates. So we really haven't seen much shuffling um, in in the standings. Uh, I thought the Cubs had a chance to take advantage of the Brewers slide uh, out in Colorado to start off that road trip. Uh, wasn't the case. This feels like it may be tighter. I'm waiting for St. Louis to make their move. Um, and it just I, I don't know. Is it going to come? Is it a little early for that? Are they lying uh, lying in the weeds? I don't know. I just feel like in the end, it's going to be St. Louis that that's going to be the team that the Brewers are going to have to contend with to win this. But at this point, I say that, and we sit here and we're looking at the standings going, this seems to be a slugfest with, with Milwaukee and, and Chicago. And I was, to be honest, when we looked at this stretch um, leading into the All-Star break, such a long stretch, and then you end it with, uh, that set against the the Cubs. Prior to that, though, I mean, this was a prime opportunity for Milwaukee to take advantage and beat up on some really bad baseball teams. They could still do that and, you know, turn the tide starting this weekend with the Rockies. But games that you're going to get now, series that you dominate now, series that potentially you sweep now are going to give you some of that leeway maybe in the middle or end of July where you have a little bit of a slip. Um, I think it, it would behoove the crew to take advantage here of this schedule uh, over the next two weeks. Yeah. And th- I mean, for the first part of the month, that's something that they did take advantage of and, and they were doing really well against uh, some really bad teams. Um, but you know, yeah, a couple of struggles there lately, but I mean, they won the series in Arizona. They, they split the series in Colorado. So, you know, nothing's really kind of a, a total loss there except for that sweep against the Reds. Um, but yeah, you got Colorado coming up again. Uh, you got Burns, Hauser, and Lauer uh, going up, and then for the Cubs series, I mean, you got you got things lined up pretty much as well as you could get. You got Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns pitching in that Cubs series. I mean, that is that is as perfectly as you could line it up um, that, that you could dream it if you're the Brewers having those three guys going. I mean, you're facing Kyle Hendricks, you're going to be facing old friend Zach Davies. And you're going to be facing a not quite the same version of Jake Arrieta. So that'll be a really good series. And it's at home. It's at American Family Field, uh, Miller Park, the keg, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that does give the Brewers, I think, a little bit more of an advantage as well. Yeah, I, I think the Cubs, this is now this year and last year where they have been just this weird wild card where you think, like their offense has been going down with their, you know, core guys um, not living up to expectations. Bryant came out firing this year um, and now Baez has picked it up a little bit more. Um, but it seems like two years now we're going into it. Um, we all keep thinking this is the beginning of the Cubs collapse and it just keeps not quite happening. So they're hanging around being pesky. Um, but yeah, this can be the start of something where um, we can really start to separate from them based off of the easy schedule and based off the fact that we're playing them, the Cardinals descent has been just bizarre. Um, I feel like they've had a lot of the problems that we expected the Cubs to have, which was surrounding their pitching. And now they're not even, you know, now they're in fourth place. They're below the Reds even. Um, I'm looking very much forward to this Cubs series. We're all already uh, ahead of them in the season standings. Uh, let's keep it that way. I mean, and you point to the to the Cardinals. I I would still be uncomfortable if they're within if they're within eight or nine or ten games with about a month to go. I, I still it's a team that just makes me uncomfortable. Um, 
the Cubs, I feel like a team that if it came down to, you know, a race with Milwaukee in the end, they'd find a way to kick the pickle. Um, so I, I feel really good. I do. I feel really good about the Brewers end up winning the division here. I just figure the Cubs will stumble over themselves. What's interesting about this final stretch and, you know, the stretch leading into this um, Cubs series, you wanted to take advantage. But then following the Cubs series, you got four against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, which you just hope that doesn't turn into a train wreck. And then the, you're on the road against the Mets. Mets are in first place in the East, and then you finish up with Cincinnati. So I think you're. It could be, it could be a darn roller coaster here um, as we get into the month of um, July, um, with, with with these last couple of series before the All Star break. It and I, it just it could be a little bit of a roller coaster. So 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 hang on, Brewers fans. You brought a new phrase for me there and kick the pickle. I mean, we, we kind of had you with know the room earlier. Kick the pickle. That That's a new one I have not heard. I don't even know where that stems from. Um, <laughs> you, just, you just said it. Yes. Here's a new, here's a new rabbit hole that I'm going to dive into. First, it was Dominican Republic drinks. Now the origin of kick the pickle. We have an update, by the way. Oh. Section 423, row 10, seat 4. Hey, there we go. There we the go. The tickets are bought. Matt Real will be there. Ticket purchase. Matt will be there for reopening day up in the terrace level. So uh, if you're listening and you're up there, say hi to Matt. Um, if you're down around uh, the 219 area, I'll be down there. Uh, and you can say hi to me. So I think that I think now that we've got the first live ticket purchase here on the uh, <laughs> Cold Brew podcast out of the way, I think that's a good spot to to end for this week. Um, you know, lots of lots of great stuff to talk about, and baseball 100% about to be fully back at uh, American Family Field. Uh, BJ, uh, thanks so much, man, for for hopping on this week and and talking with us. I mean, it was it was a really fun time, man. It has been uh, three tries to get this done. The schedule has not <laughs> jived with uh, getting together. So, hey, I, you know, the last time, the first time earlier this season, I had a blast. Uh, would love to do it again if you guys will have me back. And um, David, of course, we love chatting with you on Mondays to wrap up the weekend when it comes to uh, when it comes to Brewer stuff. So, hey, I appreciate it just as much. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll definitely have you on again and. I'll talk to you again at 7:35 on Monday morning. Uh, that, you got that's it. for sure. So uh, you got it. Thanks a lot, uh, BJ. Um, so I'll do it. Um, be sure to follow him on Twitter at bj underscore degroot. Correct? Yep, that is correct. Yep, underscore. Um, and, and be sure if you're in the Appleton area, uh, listen to his uh, morning show, BJ and the Bear uh, with Brian Butch. And uh, I believe you guys got a stream. Like you guys are able to stream on, online and just kind of get it yep. anywhere, right? Yep, scorewi.com. We got an app um, that you scorewi.com will get you a play. You can listen live there, um, and it'll give you anything you know, anything you need to know. There you go. So you don't even have to be in the Appleton area to listen to, yep. to BJ and the Bear. So uh, perfect. So be sure to listen to him, uh, especially at 7:35 on Monday mornings, because that's when I will also be there. Um, be sure to follow Matt on Twitter at mkmat13, and you can follow me on Twitter at dgasper. 24 they'll do it for this week's episode of the cold brew podcast for uh bj de group for matt carroll i'm dave gasper we'll see you next week for another episode of the cold brew podcast